Today, today we're going to be continuing on, on in our series, our series uh, in Second uh, Peter. What's the difference? difference? Uh, and we'll be going, uh, we'll be going into, into chapter three of Second Peter. Peter. So if you have your Bibles, your devices, you want to go to chapter three, we'll beginning in verse one. We'll also have the words up on the screen. But as we start, I just want to consider like our perspective of time. Uh, now, when we think of time, uh, time can seem to go by really fast sometimes, uh, and other times it seems to go by really, really slow. Uh, this year, for me at least, has been an experience of both. Like, like all of a sudden, it's November. Like, Christmas is next month. <laughs> and it just came out of nowhere. But then there's other times... Give me my birthday again. What do I get presents again? What is Christmas coming? Uh, and it would seem to, to take forever for that. Uh, but as we get older, at least with my experience as an adult, it's like I keep getting pulled already again. And when you think about it, for, for my daughter, one year uh, is about a tenth of her life. So when she looks back, like, like 10% of her life is what a year is. And so it feels a lot longer for her. Uh, for me, more than that, it's one fortieth of my life, and so years now seem to be ticking by so much faster. But the reality and truth is, is that the, there's sixty seconds in a minute, there's sixty minutes in an hour, there's twenty-four hours in a day, there's seven days in a week, three hundred sixty-five days in a year, ten years in a decade, and so on and so on. And every second, the clock keeps ticking, and it's, it's our perception that feels like it's going faster. Work within us, 
uh, to convict them when they need to be convicted, encouraged and encourage them to bring their faith to healing, to economic healing in their hearts. Uh, and, and as we look at this passage, may we be encouraged, regardless uh, of what may be going on in our in our world, in our country, uh, even if it is us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Second uh, Peter chapter three, verse one. Uh, Peter starts off by saying, Dear friends, this is now the second letter that I have written to you. In both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder, so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given to your apostles. And and so he's sitting there saying, I I want you to focus on what you've been taught. I, I want you to be focused on these prophecies and promises of God that pointed forward to the coming Messiah, which was Jesus Christ, the gospel that he shared while he was on earth, the, the hope of eternity. I want you uh, to have a sincere understanding by reminding yourself of these things, by dwelling within them, by, by having a hunger for these things. So that we recall these promises. Verse 3, above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last day scoffing uh, and following their own evil desires, saying, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have since the beginning of creation. And so he's uh, calling them to remember the truths within Scripture, calling them to remember the promises of God. That rescue came in Jesus Christ. And that our hope is not here on this earth, but it's anchored in all of eternity. That what we see and what we face and what we struggle with here and now is simply a temporary situation that Christ will come and conquer. Death will be no more. Sin will be no more. The former things have passed away, as we see in Revelations. To remember these things. But then he says, be aware. Like as much as you sit here and and you focus on the word of God, you bring it into your heart, you meditate on these promises, you anchor yourself in this hope, be aware that scoffers are going to come scoffing. That's kind of a weird thing to say. Scoffing is such a weird word, right? Scoffer here means mocker. And and so people are going to be coming and, and mocking the truth and hope that we hold on to. Mocking the hope in Jesus Christ. Saying, where is he? Why are things continuing the way that they're continuing? Why do we face these struggles? Why do we do these things? He's not coming. And so therefore, there's no point in following after a holy God that doesn't exist, isn't coming back, and there's not going to be any judgment. We talked about that last week. And so we need to be aware that's going to be coming and and really make sure that that we're anchored in these things because that is where our hope is and that's also where the warning is that we touched on last week. Peter reminds us again. Last week, uh, or two weeks ago rather, we talked about the flood coming. We talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, He reemphasizes this in verse 5. Those scoffers, the, the people who are mocking, overlook this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago. And so again, he spoke all things into existence. When you stand outside on a starry night with, without light pollution, and you look up into the myriads of stars, 
God simply. Like, imagine everything that we could do during that time. Where it just, it's mind-boggling. The stuff that could be accomplished in one day. But, but yet for God, the thousand years can also be condensed into a 24-hour period. His perspective on time is completely different than ours. His ways are greater than ways. His, his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. Because he looks into any and all situations. Uh, he knows how many hairs are on my head this morning. We find in Matthew. And your head. We might have 60 people in the room. And, and God already knows like how many hairs are on each one of our heads down to the, that level uh, of detail. And that's just something physical. He also knows the, the innermost thoughts of, of our hearts. It says in Hebrews that Jesus knows 
the temptations. He's been tempted as us in every way and yet without sin. And so therefore, we have a high priest who's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but that we can come to in any time uh, of need. God's perspective of the world and the situations that we are in is so much different than ours. It's hard for us to fathom. And he can move and work and bring healing and conviction and power in any one of these situations as he wills and according to his plan. But for us, in our perspective, we sit here and we look at the year 2020 and like, I never want to go through a 365 days like this again. I wish that it would feel like one minute. Like I wish I could have that concept the way that God has, where, where things can be expanded or condensed and, and, and just be able to, to go through that. But it's outside of us. And so we face our lives... do we, we look at suffering in the world around us we just have to, to go and look at the news around the world and, and to see so much tragedy to see so much violence to see so much darkness and, and to sit there and say like when is this going to end Jesus come back soon when is this going to end? And, and this is part of this passage and what we're looking at. And it says that he is uh, not delaying. It's not a sense of delay for us as we, we look for a promise, but being patient rather for the greatest fulfillment of his will, of his power, according to, to his mindset. Regardless of our circumstances, God's plan is his plan, and it does not change based on what happens here on earth. And whether or not it feels like it's taking a long time for us, or it feels like it's going by so fast. 
right now in our current experience here in America, uh, many who have put too much trust in the political system might be wondering, what's going on right now? What's God up to? What's he going to do for the next four years if the person that I wanted to be president isn't president? The truth is that the entire New Testament was written in a hostile political climate to Christians. And in that, they were to trust in Christ alone, regardless of politics. We find it's the same for us. And in fact, when you look through Scripture, both Jesus Christ and the early church did not give much attention to politics. Why? Because it's the same reason that God is patient in verse 9. He's patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. For all to come to salvation. The focus and the goal within Scripture is not for us to be so focused on engaging this temporary world around us, but engaging with heaven and Christ in our hearts and allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us and prepare us for all of eternity with Christ our Lord and our Savior. This is why he's patient, because our hope is no longer here on earth, but with Jesus Christ. We we see this in John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, uh, meaning Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Verse 10, he, or Jesus, was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. Just imagine that perspective for a moment. Here's, Here's Jesus Christ, who spoke all things into existence, who would sit there and, and say, uh, you know, let the stars be in the heavens, and, and they were in the heavens. Let there be the birds of the air, and the bald eagle, and the hummingbird were just created out of nothing. Let there be salamanders, <laughs> and they were salamanders. Let there be donkeys, let there be men and women, trees and plants, and then he comes down to earth. And he's walking in the dusty streets of Jerusalem. In in the material, physical world that he spoke into existence. Mankind who is made in his very image. Uh, Just imagine that for a second. Like, Like walking through and like, that's a beautiful flower. I did a good job with that. And enjoying that. And it says that he's walking through the world, and yet the world did not recognize him. The people that he was walking next to uh, along the street, that he would get food from a market with, uh, would be selling him food, or his disciples food, had no idea that here, I, I hope you enjoy this melon, creator of the universe. Totally over their heads on that. Did not recognize him. He came to his own the own people did not receive him. The people of Israel, the, the, the chosen nation, did not receive him. But then in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, 
he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who are not born, not of natural descent, or the will of the flesh, but the will of man, or the will of man, but of God. This dynamic of him walking these streets and facing rejection from the nation that he chose for himself. To the point where, where they handed him over to die. Where, where the people that were created in his image, the, the men who were whipping him, he knew how many hairs were on their head. Rejected. I can imagine the sadness that he would have in that knowing I'm your creator and I love you and I'm here for you and you don't see it you don't get it that's why he's patient he's patient because he doesn't want people to do that but desires for people to come to repentance in their understanding of oh we missed it but yes he's the savior he's the messiah Forgive me for my rejection of him, but let me follow after him. And, and for those who did that, he gave the right to be children of God. For those who did receive him, for those who would take hold of him, gave the right to be children of God. It's this uh, idea of adoption that, that without God, we were lost without a home or provision without any hope for all of eternity. Oh, for, for those who are orphans and, and do not become adopted, and they have no inheritance, what, what hope for their entire future do they have? Simply what they make of whatever has been given to them. To do the best that they can with what they've been given. It's the same thing for us spiritually. We were given a spiritual debt in sin because of Adam and Eve. We inherited it from them. The best that we can do under that circumstance is not good enough to earn God's forgiveness. But yet Jesus Christ came down in order to freely give himself, to offer up his life, his body and his blood in order to pay for our sins and, and purchase our redemption and for those that receive him, that take hold of him, that pursue him as Lord and Savior, he says, I'm, I adopt you now. You're now in my family. I give you the, the right to be my children. This adoption with the provision of salvation and then the inheritance of heaven. And, and then we find that our eternity is secure, again, not because of anything we did, but simply everything that he did for us. But I think there's something even more profound here uh, in John chapter 1. Again, for all who received him gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. So it's that, that sense of adoption into his family. But verse 13, those who were born not of natural descent, meaning we weren't born into the family of God, not of natural descent, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man. Again, it's not something we can earn. It's not something we can do by our, our own will in this, but of God. Again, this born again. Born into a new life. Born into a completely different existence that's not anchored to anything in this world. 
because we find our new birth, our new life, our new identity in the family of God because of a spiritual birth that he gives to us. We find this where it says he gives them the right to be children of God. This word right in the Greek is exclusion, which means uh, authority or power. And so really what it's saying is he, he's not like, okay, uh, I'm going to give you permission uh, to kind of be in my family and use my family name. Just kind of use it as you, it's, it's more of, I, I bring you into the family with that same uh, authority of being within this family of God. Brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ himself. Co-heirs with Jesus Christ. It's not like we just get this little card that has the same name on it, but that we're born spiritually into a completely different existence. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, from now on we no longer want, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see the new one has come. Our hope, our strength, our goals, our identity, our passions are no longer anchored to this world. We're no longer dependent upon the circumstances that we face in the day-to-day. We're no longer dependent on how 2020 goes or whatever the results of this election are. We're no longer dependent on whether or not we're healthy or we're sick because it's in Christ. In this way, we are somehow anchored into eternity. That even though this day that we're facing right now is is 24 hours, and and that in 24 hours from now, it's going to be almost 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, the sun will set and the sun will rise unless Jesus comes back, somehow we're still anchored in thousands of years in eternity. That we face a difficult situation, Somebody betrays us within the next 24 hours. And we have this pain of of this sense of betrayal. But this idea of being anchored, of being a new creation, we take this pain here on now in earth uh, of this betrayal that we face, and and then we're saying, you know what? What is this going to feel like in 10,000 years from now? Because we're miraculously connected to the eternal through Christ. We were able to get somewhat of a glimpse of what for him is a thousand day, a thousand years is like one day, and one day is like a thousand years. It changes our perspective. And again, this is why the focus was so much from Jesus and the early church, uh, not on things of the world and the experiences of things in the world, but rather on the truth of being a new creation in Christ Jesus, that our future and our destiny is no longer linked to the world. Our hope is no longer dependent on how we would like things to go here on earth, but rather by being adopted by God and then his love for us. I was reading a book this week, and in this um, was a scripture that I've certainly read before in Luke chapter 12. and I can't remember the name of the book. If I find it, I'll post it online later. Uh, but he's pointing to this passage that, that I've certainly read before. It's in Luke chapter 12, and I, I didn't think to put it up on the screen. Uh, but he's kind of going through the same thing in Matthew chapter 6, where he's like, don't worry. 
Don't be anxious uh, about your life. Uh, by being anxious, you can't add one year to your life uh, kind of thing. And think about the words, uh, the birds of the air. Um, yeah, so here, if you want to turn your Bibles, Luke chapter 12, um, beginning in verse 22. Jesus says to the disciples, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For his life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have no other storehouse or barn, but God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? Which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then are you not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Again, God is in control of all these other things. Why do we find ourselves being so anxious about the minutiae and the things that we fear or prefer or don't prefer and, and how they happen to us, but to be anchored in the kingdom of heaven? So seek first the kingdom is what it says in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, here in verse 31, it says, Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. But the verse that, that caught my attention this week uh, in a way that I've never seen before is this in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give it to you. What I've never caught before is that this word here for good pleasure uh, is only used six times throughout the four Gospels. This one time here is referring to us. It's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, to have us be anchored for all of eternity in him. The other five times are in reference to Jesus Christ when he was baptized at the transfiguration, when the Father spoke to the Son, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This is Jesus who I am am pleased with, that I have joy with. This is my perfect son who I have absolute pleasure in. And here this exact same word is used by Jesus when he says to us, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Equal pleasure. The pleasure the Father has for the Son is the same pleasure that he has to give us the kingdom. The hope that we have. That love is a joy that he has to give to us. And it is a joy that anchors us so much stronger than anything in this world. And if we can just grasp that, if we can hold on to that, if we can meditate on that, even though scoffers may scoff and say, where is this Jesus? Where is this hope that you keep pointing to? And they do not believe their eyes have been blinded by Satan. We hold on to the truth that God's great pleasure is to rescue us, to love us, and to give us a hope outside this world. If we can grasp that, we can hold on to that. If that can become a core part of our identity, then what does it matter if Jesus comes back in the next 24 hours or it's another 10,000 years? Because his love is for us. 
And again, the reason in verse 9, the Lord does not delay his promise. As some understand delay, it may feel like delay to us because we don't like what's going on in the world around us. But he's patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. When we look at what's happening in the world around us, when we look at the year 2020, we can have two different perspectives. The first one is, this really stinks, and I cannot wait till it's over. And then it feels like it just drags on. Or we can have the perspective of, God is patient, wanting people to come to repentance. And so the chaos of this year and whatever else may come, regardless of who's president, regardless of whatever next pandemic may come, regardless of whether persecution comes, uh, or we find peace in our country. He wants people to come to repentance. And if we face whatever comes next, instead of saying, man, I can't wait till this is over, if we face it instead saying God is being patient because it's his good pleasure, the same pleasure that he has over his son when he said, this is my son who I'm well pleased, it's his same pleasure to, tr to, to offer more people to come into the kingdom. And so if we look at these seasons that we're in as an opportunity to share our hope, to share our joy in Christ, may we find more and more coming into the kingdom and God's great pleasure increased as he's able to offer salvation for those that come to repentance. Let us be the church at the time that does not just simply endure, but with joy presses in and sees what God does. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, Lord, I thank you uh, for your word here in Second Peter, uh, that even though we face difficult circumstances, uh, even as Peter was writing that with Nero being the emperor, uh, again, the focus was on what you are doing, what your plan is. And that even though we may sit here on this earth in 2020 and look at every event that has happened this year so far uh, or look at the potential things that may happen during the next four years, again, Lord, that is not to be our worry or our anxiety, but it's to be on your plan. Not to consider you as being delaying or that your efforts could ever be derailed by any action a human being takes on this planet. But recognizing that you're being patient because it's your good pleasure to bring people into your kingdom and you're being patient for those that you have called. Lord, I pray that you help us to be patient as we wait uh, and we look to follow your will. Help us to proclaim your kingdom. Help us to be the hands and feet of the church, the body of Christ, as we reach out to those in need around us in order to share the hope that we have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.